This is the Spapreneur Podcast, episode 148. Today's episode is brought to you by Demented Ramona. <laughs> to be fair, she has very tiny humans and they're around a lot. You can't listen to uh, our show. Hello. So I've not been listening to things because even if I listen, I probably won't remember. <laughs> there is nothing relaxing about owning a day spa. Serious spa owners know that being in the spa business isn't for the week. And the lesson in this was I didn't follow my own advice. This is the Spapreneur Podcast with Ramona Rice and Lynn Graves. She is the main owner of the company. I am the COO. I get to be emotional. Right. I don't. Spapreneurs, a language warning. There will be no colorful language today. I can already hear the boos and the hisses, but here is why. Because I believe when you invite a guest into your home, you adapt your behavior to theirs to make them feel comfortable. And because she is so lovingly wanting to share this on her platforms, I am going to watch my language. But we're talking about rule number one. I'm giving you a pause. That's right. Don't F with the money. That's right, spapreneurs. Um, I have Tracy Bissett on today. She is a Canadian. First up, yes. Oh, Canada. And why do I want Canadians on my show? Because they have not had to deal with the craziness in the United States the way we have. So they're always more relaxed and lighthearted and going, yes. And they have Tim Hortons. And that's always delightful. If you've never had a Tim Hortons coffee, you're missing out. It's delicious. Okay. But here's why I really wanted her on the show. First off, she is a financial educator. She's got the background and the education that matters for you. So she's not going to like over explain it, but she's an actual real professor. Y'all like, like she teaches people at college level, how finances and business management. She helps other businesses who are in the financial field with all the regulations. And if you think massage therapy and estheticians have regulations, you have never been in the financial sector because good Lord, they have so many things they have to do. But more importantly, she is here to help us talk about money management and why it matters in your business and your personal life. So Tracy, so welcome to the show. Thank you, Ramona. I'm really excited to be here. I think it's going to be so fun. I, I try to make it fun and money for a lot of people is not fun for like when you get it in, they're like, yes, I have money. I'm going to spend it. That's fun. And then we run out of money and we're like, we're sad or it causes stress or shame and so many of those like negative emotions. Do you think, because you do with businesses and you do with, I love this. You do have a lot of young people with, mm -hmm. with financial education, which I think is fantastic. Cause I have a 14 year old who already has an IRA. Um, that's what he asked for for his 13th birthday. He goes, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I bought him the book by Ramit. Um, oh, I can never remember his last name, but the, I will think, or I will teach you how to be teach rich you money or yeah. yeah, something like that anyway. And he read it cover to cover and he was like, mom, I want to do all these things. So I was like, oh, okay. And now he like follows the stock market. So he's easy outlier of most kids. At the 14. <laughs> but like, there's this TikTok challenge now where they're like, Hey, you, you open up this special account. You put what a hundred dollars a month in there till they're 18. And then there'll be a millionaire by 60. So we hear all this stuff, but actually connecting it to being a business owner, because I'm like, that's great idea to invest money, but I'm trying to make payroll. I'm trying to make rent. I'm trying to, you know, just keep myself afloat. How can I do that and still like, you know, invest with my kids in the future? How does that work? Uh, so first off, the most important thing is you need to realize as the owner of the business that it's actually your job. So you've got to take that accountability first and foremost, make sure you understand the numbers, make sure you're tracking the numbers. Even if you're using a bookkeeper and an accountant, it is still your job uh, to know the financial position at all times. And I don't necessarily mean up to the minute. 
Um, but it, every week, every month, you've got to know what's happening. And uh, once you do that, because I find a lot of people, especially um, in healthcare related, in spa related businesses, um, they don't necessarily want to get into the numbers. They're really focused on healing people, helping people, taking away pain. And so it's not the most comfortable feeling. Um, so getting straight on that is first and foremost. And then what happens instead of imagining the worst case scenario, you actually know the numbers. You, if there's a problem, you can quantify it then you can actually move on to problem solving versus carrying this weight on your shoulders, kind of stress all day long, every day, um, not knowing what the issue is. Uh, you think there's one, but if you don't know what, uh, what it is as very specifically, you're going to have a hard time solving any problems. A freaking men, Tracy already. You're speaking my language. Cause we talk about this a lot. Know your numbers, know your fixed costs, know your variable costs. Because again, the cost of business in February is very different in July. Spapreneurs, particularly if you have a lot of Valentine's day services, your cost of service goes up because you're using more supplies and more linens. And so therefore you need to account for that in your pricing all year long so that you can recoup that expense in February and still make profit. And then in July, when it's slower, it's still balancing out. So I, I love this knowing your numbers. So do you agree with me? Like I'm a big believer in understand your fixed costs, what that really means. I'm a big believer in because in my personal finances, I use YNAB. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it, the you need a budget app, but I love the idea of you give yourself payments. So for example, like I do prime, I pay for it annually. I think it's like $119 a year. Mm -hmm. So I break it up into 12 month segments every month. I put a little bit aside. I do that for my business too. Do you kind of recommend doing that as much as possible? I think so, because the key to your business is having enough cash flow for the times that are good and the times that are bad. And when you, there is seasonality in a business, it's going to be that that cash flow cycle. So firstly, you need to take a look at what is the cash flow cycle in your business. Make sure you understand it. And cash flow may be the same as revenue, but it may not be. You might have the sale, but say you're getting paid later. Um, say you did a bunch of spa appointments for a corporation and they're going to, you're going to send them an invoice and they're going to pay you 30 days later. That's going to really hurt from a cash flow perspective versus the average individual who's in there paying at time of service. So you want to be able to smooth out the cash flow to cover you all year round. So you don't have those panic moments when you can't make payroll, you can't pay your bills. You can't get paid uh, because you didn't estimate enough for the cost that spike in, in February or the other months. So understanding cash flow is key. Um, I think that you can get a lot of clues from your bank statements, from your financial results, and you're really like a financial detective. So you don't need to be an expert in um, numbers, in math, you're just looking, gathering the clues and then paying attention so that when you're looking forward, you can actually make a plan, but it's based on your historical results. It's not about somebody else um, and their business. You need to focus on your particular numbers. Um, we can always look to industry benchmarks and other people who are doing well in the industry and take our cues from them, um, but it starts with you and your numbers. Tracy, you're now my favorite person because you're now covering the other thing I talk about. This drives me crazy. So there are a lot of like Facebook groups for massage therapists and estheticians. And this is, I see this question all the time, including my own free Facebook group. Um, if you're not a member of Spopreneur free Facebook group, you should be. It's amazing. But um, 
they ask, what should I charge for my services? And I'm just like screaming, <laughs> going, we can't answer that for you because we don't know where you live. We don't know how much your rent is. We don't know what the average, you know, what your area can sustain as far as pricing, because what may be cheap in New York City is super expensive in San Antonio, you know? And so I am so glad you brought that up because sometimes they need another trusted adult to hear that from. So we're going to say this again. You need to know your numbers. You cannot compare industry-wide what's doing, because especially in the wellness industry, Tracy, you know, you've got some people that can get away with making lots of profit, charging $60 an hour, and other people who are barely scraping by at $300 an hour. It all depends on, like you said, a lot of different variables. Yeah, I want to comment on two things with with what you said. So um, pricing is incredibly important. And usually entrepreneurs that I work with and I'm coaching with, the first thing out of their mouth is, I'm not good with numbers. Secondly is I went into business so I could get a regular paycheck and I'm not getting paid. Um, so that's the problem. And it ultimately comes back to the pricing. Um, so there's the, the math component of it, add up all of your costs. You're going to have the fixed ones, the ones you have to pay every month, whether or not anybody comes for service, then you've got the variable ones. So if you have other associates who are delivering treatments, you've got your, your linens, other supplies that are, you're, you're going through, those are variable ones and they, they change based on how much uh, you're doing in terms of revenue and how many services. Um, so that's getting to the math, making sure you're covering the cost, then actually having enough um, to cover uh, you and you getting paid. Uh, the other thing that comes up though, when people start putting prices out there is they're kind of taken back to their childhood. We form our views around money when we are six, seven, eight years old. Um, it's cemented by then. So if you did not have a great relationship in your family about money, if there was crying, if there was yelling, if there was people using credit cards and then a lot of people calling later, all that stuff is staying with you. And so um, it has a, an impact on your brain. It actually has an impact on how you view yourself. You might not feel very secure about asking for the price that maybe you want to. And so you've got to do due diligence, look around in the market. What are other people charging? Is your offering a better? If it is, you can charge more. So you have to do legwork to, before you come up with those prices. So you're, you're making sure you cover your costs. You're making sure you get paid. You're still within the bounds of what the market allows. But if you're offering um, a longer treatment, you're offering extras with it, you do charge more money and you need to feel confident and stand behind the price and not kind of be taken aback because uh, some people will start thinking, how dare I? What are they going to say about me? Um, how's that going to go? I don't want people uh, bad mouthing me because I'm asking for so much money. Um, be confident in the number you come up with. And then if somebody does challenge you, you articulate why hey, we just went through a pandemic. Um, things are more expensive than they used to be because there's scarcity of whatever it is. Um, you know that. We have to put prices up here in our business. And so just talk to people like humans. And when you have legitimate reasons, they can understand that. And if they don't, they're not your ideal customer. Send That's them right. on their way. Because there are those customers, Tracy, you know this in any business, who are value-based customers. Mm -hmm. And then there's some who are called service-based customers. Service-based customers are great because they understand the value and the quality of the service. And they'll pay whatever dollar amount. And if it's important enough to them, they will find room in their budget. Absolutely. And also, not our job to spend our clients money for them. And so a lot of times I notice this, and I'm so glad you brought up again, that whole kind of money mindset, those blocks that come up from childhood, because I noticed this and I, this, I'm guilty of this myself, <laughs> is that I go, I would never pay that much for my own services. But I have to remind myself, I'm not the customer in the situation. 
And I think that's where a lot of us get into that uncomfortableness of going. And this is why instead of looking at our numbers, we say, okay, down the street's charging this. So I'm going to undercut them by like $5 or I'm going to charge just $10 more because I'm doing X, Y, and Z more instead of actually doing like the real hard math and going, well, no, I'm including scrub and I'm including mini stone and aromatherapy and all these things average cost me an additional $10. Do you think that what, so if we, we wind up and we're really terrified of looking at our numbers for whatever Mm -hmm. reason to start, what are the numbers we should look at first and foremost, just to get started? Um, So most business owners, and uh, I would imagine spa owners are no different. They're always looking at revenue and um, you can have really great revenue, but you can be losing money every day. So you need to look at the bottom line after all of the bills are paid, how much money did I make? And so you need to be very, very focused on that. Another number that would be very useful in looking at is knowing your monthly um, total of expenses on average. What is that? Those costs you have to pay, whether or not you sell anything. So your rent, your insurance, all that kind of stuff, plus your variable, what does that look at? Like, and so if you know your, your monthly number, you can always be uh, evaluating that against the revenue for the month to know how am I doing just quickly in your head. So if you've got to cover 20,000 a month, you're going to track your revenue. And then you're going to know once you get beyond 20 that, yeah, you're now into the more profitable part. Um, so those would be two numbers I would track um, initially. Uh, the, the most important thing to know is you're not alone. So you don't need to do it alone. I said off the top, you need to be accountable, but I didn't say you had to do everything. You don't need to do your own bookkeeping. You don't need to make your own financial statements. Um, So if you hire someone to help you, though, it's your job to instruct them on how you want them, want the financial statements to show. Um, They're not the accounting rules, but if you want to break out your services line by line so you can have a direct sight line on how much was in massage, how much was in something else, um, then you want to be able to review those numbers once they, they take a look. So you don't just put them in the drawer. You don't ignore the email when they come in. You actually sit down and make a regular time to review them. And if you don't like the numbers, you make a change. If you don't understand the numbers, you ask questions. And it's your job to be accountable for whatever those numbers are. I had a client I'm, I'm working with now. And, and last week, they told me how it was all the bookkeeper's fault, why the financial statements are wrong for three years. And I said, okay, well, what instructions did you give them? Because they have like five lines of business. Well, we just gave papers and we, we thought she would figure it out. Well, that's not fair. She's going to do her best, but she can't read your mind. She doesn't know what's going on in the business. Um, did you notice it was wrong before? Yeah, but I was busy. I didn't say anything. Okay, that's your fault too. <laughs> you need to speak up and check it monthly. And then you don't get into this problem where you have mistakes that just carry on indefinitely. So own your role. And I can guarantee that it will feel painful at first if it's not something you like to do, but then you're going to get into a great routine where you feel comfortable and you're actually excited about the prospect of doing things in your business because you can see how the money and the cash flow that you're generating can help you get to future goals. And once you've got something like a cash flow forecast in place, you can quickly plug and play the numbers to say, what would happen if I bring on another massage therapist or another esthetician? What would that look like? How much revenue would I have to get to be able to pay them? And then you can dream and actually use numbers to support achieving your goals. I love several things you said in the whole thing. Um, First off, again, the money becomes not necessarily a burden, but a dream factory where we can, again, dream of taking that really expensive CEU class in Costa Rica Mm -hmm. because it's a justifiable business expense when you're taking class in in or Hawaii or wherever you could choose when we're able to travel fully again. But I wanted to go back to something I thought that was just so profound. Ask questions. 
And I love this idea of, it almost sounds like you want us to set up like a money date with ourselves. Yeah. And, and I love this because I love telling my spotpreneurs about, they must have CEO time. And that's time when they work on the business, not in the business, not outside mm-hmm. of the treatment room, not directly with clients where that's where you do your dreaming and your planning. And it sounds like a regular monthly checkup where you're looking at what you, what it sounds like you're describing as a profit loss statement that PL statement, um, you know, and not everybody uses those, but mm-hmm. I like them because they're pretty flat out. This is how much revenue came in. This is how much expenses you had. Do you have profit or do you have loss? That, that, there's just no way to line at those points. Do you recommend only once a month, once a week to start out with? Like how often should we be looking at our numbers? I think, especially if you have an aversion to numbers and you've had a fear, I think doing it more frequently is beneficial. So I'm not talking about a day a week. I'm talking about half an hour a week. And so one half hour of the week might be looking in your bank accounts, just assessing what's going on. The second uh, week might be now your results are ready from the bookkeeper. You're going to look at them. Maybe the third week you have a regular standing meeting with your bookkeeper to go through and review the results. So it gives them a chance to walk you through what they did, but also it's like a nice safe opportunity to ask questions. And then maybe the fourth week of the month you're actually planning for, okay, now that I I know where we are and where I am year to date, what are the goals that I have for the rest of the year? Am I on track? Will I be able to hit them? Can I actually up my goals because things are going so well? And so you're then putting into action um, what the money is showing, what the numbers are showing you. Conversely, if you've got a cash flow crunch, okay, we didn't do very well. Um, I need to bring in more cash. What kind of offer could I put out there in the following month? What kind of uh, word of mouth or ads could I do to generate more traffic here? And so you can be very responsive and you're not getting to the end of the year saying, gosh, I don't know what happened. I don't know why I lost all that money or why I couldn't get paid. Now you can deal with it in the moment. And the more uh, time you have ahead of issues, you can actually problem solve and brainstorm way more solutions than it's the day and you can't make payroll. There's not a lot of options that day. I also love knowing your numbers because especially as we learned back in 2020, when all the government assistance was coming out, Mm -hmm. those of us like my day spot who had all of our numbers, who knew what we were doing, we were able to get to the top of the line of the PPP loans of any of the loans and assistance grants. Um, And we found about several like local grants, Tracy, that helped us. We're redoing our website now basically for free because of grants and all. But the reason we were able to apply for them and get them very quickly was because we had all of our numbers lined up in a row. And if 2020 has taught us anything is that having that information at your fingertips is so important because there may be times when you're ready to expand and that may require you to take out a line of credit, which mm-hmm. I, I know some people are like debt is terrible. I personally feel like used the right way. A line of credit is actually a good thing for business owners to have. Do you agree or not agree? I totally agree. So I don't think debt is good or bad. It's all in how you use it. You need to understand uh, how you use it responsibly, your rights and responsibilities to it. And um, so absolutely, I think as soon as you set up your business, you should have access to an overdraft or some kind of line of credit. Um, if you're going to do something though, where you're, you need the money for a little bit longer term, I think you should take out something like a term loan where you repay it every month. Um, that's good. Even on a small amount, if you don't really need that much money, because that's building up credit history for the company. And when you start a business, it's mostly reliant on your personal credit score. But as your business grows and and has time under its belt, it's developing its own credit reputation. So if you can borrow money and pay it back, that all adds into having a very favorable 
credit reputation. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan of debt when used well. Um, having a plan, you have to know your numbers. You don't just take debt because you're losing, you feel like you're losing money and you're just going to plug the hole that way. That's not smart. Um, so you want to make sure that it's for a specific reason, whatever you're going to be using it for, you, you actually reasonably have assessed that it's going to be beneficial to your business. Uh, I talked to some entrepreneurs through the pandemic and uh, unfortunately the conversation was when times were good, you were not doing well. Why do you think taking on more loans is actually going to be helpful because you're just going to be more in debt and you were not performing well from an operational standpoint before. So uh, let's rethink that. And that's usually the smaller um, percentage of cases, but you have to have those hard conversations with yourself um, so that you, you don't end up with more stress and potential health issues because you've got all this burden of the debt weighing down on you. You know, this is another reason why Tracy, um, we've said from the beginning of Spapreneur that you need to have a team around you, a mentorship team, and that includes like financial advisors. Um, you know, we've been so fortunate. We've always dealt with like a local bank, for example, mm -hmm. we've really gotten to know our bankers. We know our accountant really well. Our accountant and bankers are clients of ours here at the day spa. And you want that. You want to have people who are on your side, who are ready, who love you enough to tell you no. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard to find that mentor sometimes. And I think that when when you're interviewing, let's say a bookkeeper or an accountant, what are the kind of things that they should be asking for? Um, because a lot of them now are going to go, okay, I, I need a bookkeeper, I need an accountant, but what are the things really they should be looking for? So firstly, you should ask other people, you know, who do what you do for recommendations, because we already are already want to start with someone who has a proven track record with somebody we can ask. It's not just the person in front of us telling us it's like dating. You have to go and interview them. You want to ask them, how do they work? How do they like to receive information? What do they think your role is? What do they think their role is? And make sure that it's a fit. If somebody talks to you um, using all kinds of jargon and accounting terms and you don't understand it, that's probably not a fit. And there will be a fit for everyone. Everyone's going to have a different style and what they like to do. A lot of times business owners think that it's the accountant's job to educate them about uh, their financial statements and teach them like school. That's not their job. Their job is to make the statements do the tax filings. So if you're looking for an accountant to provide you education as well, that should be part of the question process. And so some will do it. Some will charge you more money, but that's okay. You're negotiating all of that up front. So think about what you would like. If you really have no clue, talk to your friends or fellow business owners who you know work with those people and say, what kind of situations happen that you weren't crazy about? How could I ask questions to kind of avoid that? Or you have a good bookkeeper you're raving about. What are they doing that makes you happy? And so that you can understand more before you go and start that process. But uh, just like you said as well, Ramona, having that relationship with the bank is key. Um, interviewing bankers is important too, to find a fit uh, with somebody that you like. It's so true. I, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen like, they're like, oh, I just use random like online bank or I just use a big bank. And I'm not saying big banks are bad. If you know a banker in that big bank that has built a relationship with you, go with that banker. But what mm -hmm. I'm saying is, is that, you know, I think they, they just assume I just set up a massage table and my business is good. It's like, no, there's a lot <laughs> of nuances when it comes to business, especially when you get to a certain level, when you're starting to make, you know, multiple five figure months, you know, or you, the minute you hire anybody yes. or the minute you have an independent contractor, you need more than you managing a lot of this stuff because it's a lot of different pieces. And I love having a licensed professional because it's their job to keep up with, you know, like mm -hmm. laws that I don't want to keep up with because I can't imagine doing taxes right now. Um, I still haven't filed mine, but again, I still have plenty of time, but you know, I'm like, 
there's no way I'm not going to do it without an accountant this year because there's been so much craziness with with the pandemic and every all these systems and all. I'm like, I, I can't even imagine going alone. So I think personally, and I don't know, if, I'm sure you'll agree, but I <laughs> feel like when you're at that point in your business, when you're ready to invest in something, the first thing I like to do is either a, again, like a really good accountant. Mm-hmm. I do like someone that's going to educate me that, that wants to take the time. And there are those accountants that do that. Yeah. Um, or you need to be careful. So like the accountant I use, she was really upfront because she's a partner in the firm. She's like, look, I'm not actually going to be the one to do the services. It's going to be my team. Right. And I had to be comfortable with that. So that's okay too. You just need to ask the questions, but the most important thing is ask the questions, bug them. And if they seemed like they don't like you bugging them, they're the wrong fit because the right financial advisors, whether it be an accountant or bookkeeper or whatever it is, are going to want to be on your side and they're going to want to educate you. So you make more money. So you keep paying them. For sure. That's absolutely right. And, um, you also get what you pay for is super important to point out because a lot of people will be like, Oh, it's my first bookkeeper. I'm just going to go cheap on it. Well, you're going to, what's going to happen is the results are not going to be good. Um, you're going to have to get your books redone in one year, two years, three years. And it's very expensive to go back retroactively to get everything fixed. It also can create problems with the government because your tax filings are wrong. And so remember all the time you get what you pay for. So um, pay for the right person, right level of service, um, ask them all the things that they're going to do. If there are extra things that you don't want and you don't want to pay for them, um, if they're not willing to reduce the price, find a different person. Um, but take the time to invest in quality resources, or I can guarantee you will be having a lot of pain in the future. Yeah. Money pain is no fun. (laughs) No fun at all. Trust me on this. Tracy, let's say they love you. And they want to know more about you and what you do. So you have come on. We'll explain this whole thing. So I am very good friends with Jessica Rhodes from Interview Connections. I love her. Okay. When I first got into podcasting, I met her at many conferences. She was pregnant at the time um, with her second child. Anyway, she's great. So she connects great podcasts like me with great podcasters like Tracy. So that's how we were connected. Mm -hmm. Tracy, you do a fantastic podcast. I've listened to a couple episodes and I've learned so much, even though I'm not (laughs) your target market because I'm in my forties, but explain your your, your podcast. I love it so much. I, I want my child to listen to it. Uh, So it's called Young Money with Tracy Bissett, the advice show for millionaires in the making. And it's geared for 18 to 30 ish. So there's younger, there's older. I've got lots of parents and grandparents who listen. And um, we've been going strong for over three years. We do a new episode every week. Anything that I can make fit to money goes there. So um, I want to showcase different paths of success for young people. So whether you've got a career, whether you're starting a business, whether you have a job and a side hustle, you can pretty much find out everything you need. We also talk a lot about navigating money in relationships. So whether it's with your parents, your roommates, your loved one, uh, your partner, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So that's on all podcast platforms. If anybody has uh, show suggestions, would love to hear them because we're doing a new show every single week. Uh, Our guests love to hear from young people as well. So any uh, younger uh, spapreneurs out there who want to be on the show, send me a note. Um, Certainly anybody who wants to tell their story, we want to educate um, and just showcase different paths to success. Uh, Any questions or comments in general, reach out to me on LinkedIn. So Tracy has an E and Bissett has two S's and two T's. And um, we hadn't even planned this, but you teed it up quite nicely for me. Ramona, I do have a gift for your audience. Oh, yay. um, Which is around around starting those money routines and starting that weekly uh, meeting where you're either meeting with yourself, maybe with your bookkeeper, your accountant. So it's a money meeting agenda. So you can get started today. 
So if you head over to cashcoach.biz, you can download that and you'll be able to get started right away. And the first meeting might be just looking at the agenda and just figuring out where am I and what does this say? And then, okay, let's wait till next week. We'll move on to the next thing. I just, I just gotta say, I love resources like this because again, sometimes the hardest part, like you said, is just getting started. And sometimes we feel like we don't have the money necessary to buy like a financial mm-hmm. advisor account, but just having like a resource like that. So I will link all the resources on this episode, um, Spotpreneurs. It will also be in the show notes. Again, head to spotpreneur.com where we've got all the resources. I will make sure to definitely be able to connect you with Tracy because her website is great. Um, it was super easy for me to navigate and learn all kinds of things. Um, and again, she's not just for the young, she's for the young at heart, like myself, but you know, Mm -hmm. money is one of those things where I think just now, like in my, so my husband, Tracy, you don't know this. He is an educator at a local school system. So now the school system is requiring that their students go through financial literacy, which I think is fantastic. So they learn how to get open a bank account. And what is an IRA? What is that? Because, you know, you and I, I think we're around the same ages. We were not taught these things. These are things we had to discover on our own. No. And I I think it's great that they're doing that, but there's never too late to increase your financial literacy. It is so important. Even if you're not a business owner, I think personal financial literacy, it's your responsibility, like Tracy said, to understand how money works. Because when we take away that emotional tie to money and we see what it is, it is a resource that we can either use to make our lives better or worse. But understanding the literacy of it, particularly loans, because <laughs> yeah. there is no such thing as a free loan. I don't care what percentage rate it is. You're going to pay something on it. So be careful. So Tracy, you have been the most fantastic guest. I have learned so much in this episode. And I thank you for, again, using real language without making any of us feel foolish, because I feel like you just, I just, I cannot wait to listen to more episodes of your podcast and learn <laughs> lots. So I love to end my conversations and it's so perfect because you're a money lady <laughs> asking you what makes you feel wealthy today. Um, having time to do things that I want and feeling healthy. I love it. I love it, Tracy. I love you. I'm so excited. Again, Spapreneurs. Her mm-hmm. name is Tracy. It's Bisset, right? Bisset, yes. Bisset. Yeah, I'm trying. Again, you're getting Southern Virginian trying to pronounce like a very sounds French name anyway, but it's Tracy. It is, um, you know, again, listen to the podcast, Young Money. Um, she's got all kinds of services, all kinds of resources for you to check out. But again, this is worth your time, y'all, because if rule number one is don't blank with the money. And what I mean by that always is we pay our vendors on time. We pay our people on time. We, you know, understand what our debt to income ratio is for our business. We understand that we, the business is supposed to serve us. We don't serve the business. So you should be making money from your business. And if you're not, the first step is to do exactly what Tracy said in this episode. So this may be one you may, we want to start go back through, listen to it a couple of times and take those notes and check her out and get the financial education you deserve. Tracy, again, thank you so much for being the most fantastic guest today. Thank you. It's been really fun. Need more actionable steps to get your spa headed in the right direction? Head to spapreneur.com where we've got the tools, tricks, and methods to make your spa as successful as it can be. Spapreneur.com.